It's Thursday, May 14th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris L. Joining me in studio today from Motley Fool Funds, the portfolio manager himself, Bill Mann. Thanks for being here. How are you, man? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, I, we're going to go overseas in a minute. Excellent. Can I ask you a question first? Absolutely. So, your wife travels from time to time. Yes, she does. Does she treat you like an absolute idiot before she leaves? <laughs> Like I, 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 so my wife left today. She's going to. I feel a personal story. A little bit. I'm sorry. This may be. We we may be derailing, but uh, you know. So I have gotten from her probably 17 different forms of communications, letting me know of the schedule while she was gone. So. I just, you know, I I feel like Mr. Haverkamp right now, you know. <laughs> the green's that way, hon. <laughs> uh, I, I, I will simply say that uh, organizational skills and scheduling, not my strong point. And she's aware. So And she's aware. And so that's, uh, that, that's helpful. That's helpful for me. Um, like I said, we're going to go overseas in a minute. But first, let's, uh, let's talk burgers. Because Shake Shack, mm. surprisingly... Reporting a profit in the first quarter, uh, sales up fifty six percent. The stock up this morning. Sounds good. What do you think on balance? I, 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 on the one hand, it's not. It's always nice to see a surprising profit when the expectations are lower. If you're a shareholder, yes. If, and and I'm not a shareholder. Yeah. On the other hand, I look at this and I think, yeah, but this is still a a young public company, and this is still a small public company. Yeah. Uh, 66, I think, outlets total worldwide, which is not many. You know, when uh, when Chipotle was first, first came public, they had something like 400. So, this is dramatically smaller. But it does have something that Chipotle also had and still does have, which if you do a little simple math, they're making about $2 million in revenues per store per year, which is a lot. You know, for you know, for a quick serve outlet, that is that that is the hallmark of a well run, well received brand. Especially when you think that most of those stores are new, right? So, yeah, they're crushing it. Uh, I I I wouldn't want to be involved with most of the you know rushed out fast food quick serve restaurant IPOs that have gone on in the last year. In fact, most of them have been dumpster fires, but. This one's different because this one's different. I've never actually been inside a Shake Shack. Uh. Is is it similar to Chipotle in that the, the and we were talking about it earlier this morning? Do they have a simple menu? Because as we discussed earlier today, McDonald's, Steve Easterbrook, the new CEO, trying to turn that business around, and a they sim- should try food. <laughs> well, and and the latest the latest I'm, that thing, was mean. I'm the sorry. latest thing that got rolled out was we're going to simplify the menu, and it just seems like. Gosh, if all McDonald's wanted to focus on was increasing the throughput, if all they did was that, mm-hmm. that would be enough to improve the business. And I'm I'm just wondering if Shake Shack doesn't have a comp. You know, if you the more complex your menu, the tougher throughput is going to be. I think that's true. I think that Shake Shack has something that both McDonald's and Chipotle have, and I think McDonald's does have a lot of problems. But they're all three really good at real estate. I mean, if you look at if you look at McDonald's, it is very rare when any McDonald's, either company owned or franchised, closes down. And the same is true with Chipotle. And so far, the same is holding true for Shake Shack. And I think that's, I mean, menu simplification is 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 one thing. That's certainly an option. 
you know, uh, Cheesecake Factory has gone the other direction. They hand over, you know, the the giant tome, and you can choose, you know, the pasta dish on page seventy three or whatever. And that's that's a way of doing things. Also, um, they could move, they could simplify, and that would be a very good thing for them. But McDonald's has just a wonderful, wonderful advantage by virtue of being so good at real estate. And Shake Shack and Chipotle are kind of the same. Let's move overseas, and I want to go to something that you tweeted out earlier today. Emerging markets have suffered bigger net capital outflows in the past three quarters than the financial crisis of 2008-2009. Yeah, incredible statistic. That's astonishing. Yeah, because if you think about, if you think about risk scenarios... Emerging markets are usually the first the first house to get burned down in a panic. People are like, oh, you got to get out of Pakistan or whatever, you know, whatever it is. It doesn't feel in a lot of places like, for example, the U.S. markets, the European markets, or let's say any of the developing markets that we're in a crisis right now. They, these markets are at all time highs from a stock perspective. But when you're talking about the money being pulled out of emerging markets, you have you have two issues. One, you have the stock markets being depressed, and I think that they almost, you know, by definition, are given their underperformance uh, over the last two years to the uh, developing markets. But it's also bad for the banks. I think we're looking at a potential banking crisis, and it's going to start in emerging markets again because. When you pull capital out of a market, that you know that lowers their ability to lend, and it it lowers their their safety cushion that they have for the loans that they already have out in place now. So, I, to me, it's something to watch, and it's it's kind of mystifying. I mean, it just always feels like you know the market seems to be fighting the last battle. You know, um, there are bargains to be had if you can you know in in these markets right now, and I think that that is much less the case in the U.S. and particularly in Europe. I was just going to say, you spend a good chunk of your time looking at international opportunities. Yeah. Is, are, are you seeing more of those? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And in, it's in places where people seem afraid to go, you know, uh, places like Russia, places like, I mean, Brazil, that market has been debacled over the last 18 months. And yeah, Brazil has a number of problems. But look, those problems are pretty well known and defined at this point. And at some point, a country that has such, you know, such a great runway of, of opportunity and so it's so many resources and believe it or not, both corporate and, you know, and the, you know, the governance issues in, in Brazil are improving. I mean, I think it's a good thing. I mean, a lot of people, maybe people here aren't focusing on this, but there's a there's big been a big corruption scandal with Petrobras in Brazil. That might scare people off, but the fact that we are hearing about a corruption scandal means that it's something that's being attacked, and that is something to me that's always noteworthy. Here's a bit of good news: auto sales in Greece down, got to be down for the month of April, up forty-seven percent. That's got to be good news, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> auto sales up forty-seven percent. People are confident, right? <laughs> that's what it is. I mean, in the U.S., I think that that's true. Auto sales in the U.S. People, you know, are a sign of confidence. In countries in a crisis, though, that is one of the worst signs you can have. That means that people are pulling money out of their banks and they're putting it into something that they can move out of the country at any moment. You know, forty-seven percent sale increase. You know, sales increase in in, in Greece is 
certainly not a good thing. And you've seen it over time in Cyprus when they had their banking crisis a couple of years ago. And Cyprus is an island, so moving cars out of Cyprus isn't as easy. You know, they had like a 90, 90% increase in, in, in car sales. And it's just simply they're trying to find anything that holds their value. And they go out and buy a depreciating yet perfectly mobile asset. I think the funniest thing about this, by the way, I know you're getting ready to say no, something, no, no, but no, I think no. the funniest thing about this is that who does this ultimately benefit? Where are they buying cars from? Germany. Germany. Right? <laughs> I can see German automakers being pleased about that, but, nah, but yeah. based on what you just said, I can also see the average person in Germany who pays attention to the market and the Eurozone saying, boy, this is just one more sign yeah, that Greece has guts to go. Guts to go. They, <laughs> like they have, that's a guts don't, to go situation. Don't let the door hit you. I mean, I think that's. It does seem like this is the crisis of the decade. Not so much that it's huge, but that it's gone on for that long. But I think at this point, we're in a really different place than we were two or three years ago. Two or three years ago, Greece leaving the euro was unfathomable. Fathomable easy for me to say. Now it's entirely fathomable. I think people have gotten their heads around the fact that Greece could leave the euro. And because banking systems are so much based on confidence, I don't think people would think it's as big of a deal now as they would have a couple years ago. I mean, drawing this out in some ways has made the ultimate sting. I don't know what's going to happen, but the ultimate sting that much less of a surprise. Earlier this week, uh, we had the Motley Fool Asset Management semi-annual shareholder call, and uh, it was an hour long. The video is actually up on FoolFunds.com for anyone interested uh, in watching it, and it was you and David Meyer, Brian Hinman, mm-hmm. uh, Tony Arsta, bunch uh, of smart cats, uh, Charlie Travers, uh, and we went through a whole range of issues. Um, but I, I wanted to touch on just one thing from that call. Um, anything you're watching for the rest of 2015? Because we we did touch on some of these markets. You know, you mentioned Russia that came up during the call yeah. as well. Um, but where where do you find your eyes gravitating towards as an investor? Whether it's and and again we hit a, a bunch of issues, including the energy industry, the oil and gas mergers, the continuing opportunity in that space, yeah. as well as Russia, China, any number of international markets. But what's one thing you're watching? I mean, those are actually you've you've gone through a list of big ones. Uh, I think the thing to me that fascinates me the most is I still don't think that this is a market that where the the clearing function is allowed to work. And I think what do you mean by the clearing function? So, right now, in country, you know, certain countries, particularly in Europe, you get negative interest rates for you know for for for, for the sovereign debt, which means I'm going to lend you money, and you have to pay me for the you know for for, for the right. Which is a sign to me that things are not right, and that's going to break somehow. It just it 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 just has to. It's really really hard to creep that back. So I don't know if that's a 2015 story, but it does prevent all forms of the market from clearing properly. Which means I'm not sure that the prices we're seeing in the European market are anything other than something that's unsustainable. In a time in which that liquidity is removed from the market, I mean, I don't know, 
nobody knows. I mean, we're we're kind of discovering this as we go along. I, I don't know if this is too in the weeds, but you know, to me, the fact that these interest rates are so low and they are part of policy suggests to me that the stock markets in a lot of these countries are way, way, way too high. Something's going to move to the middle. You can go to foolfunds.com if you want to see the video. Um, I, I was uh, advised by our colleague Matt Trogdon that uh, if anyone is actually interested in watching this video, and it's it's labeled as May 2015 conference call, the video starts and it's blank for the first hour and five minutes or so. Um, I guess the camera <laughs> the camera was running and, and so there's nothing. So if you want to watch it, and and there's a lot of there's a lot of in-depth investing conversation going on a lot of good stuff there not but, the most not the most beguiling video but you got to fast forward to the 107 mark so one hour seven minutes into that video if you're interested you that seems all... like the kind of thing we could fix it does but you know I'm just saying it sounds like the kind of thing that we will fix I see but I'm just saying for right now <laughs> what you got you're gonna want to fast forward because right. uh, otherwise yeah it's just you know it's a test pattern for an hour and seven <laughs> minutes uh, while you're at foolfunds.com you can also sign up for declarations the free monthly newsletter from Bill Mann and his team thanks for being here always great to see Chris as always people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear that's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery show is mixed by Dan Boyd I'm Chris Hill thanks for listening We'll see you on Monday.